If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me, please, to 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. I'm going to speak on the subject, the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 1 through to verse 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verse 1 through to verse 11. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that has wrought us from the selfsame thing as God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his word just this week. A man made a statement to me, I believe it to be true, That statement was simply this, the days of casual Christianity are over. We are in in awesome days. We are in tremendous days. We are in crucial days, vital days. We are in days which the prophets have prophesied off and had longed to be part of, but we are here called to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. These are the most exciting days for the church of Jesus Christ. We are approaching quickly. We are approaching and we know the signs of the times are all around us. The indications of the last days and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for His bride are so significant. They're so obvious that we are now witnessing at any moment. Very soon we believe that Christ will come for His bride. A glorious bride. A victorious bride. A bride that has oil, that is ready, that is prepared, that is looking, that is longing, that is groaning for Christ to come. You'll sense as a believer who walks with the Lord, you'll sense there's a a tug, as it were, in your heart. We don't belong to this world. We're just pilgrims and strangers passing through it. We're becoming more and more 
strange to this world. We're aliens on this planet, but one day soon we're going to behold Christ our Savior. One day we're going to be raptured into the glory and the eternal bliss in the presence of our Lord. We know the days are short. And I want to speak on this verse, verse 10 tonight. It's an important verse for the believers, first of all, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things that is done in his body according to what he has done, whether that be good or whether that be bad. Paul is bringing to the church the glorious moment in a theological term. It's known as the rapture of the church. Paul said in his first letter to the church, if you have your Bibles, just to bring the introduction tonight, would you turn over into 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and follow the Scripture tonight. But this moment is, is upon us, I believe, passionately that we are so close to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the first letter to the church of Corinth, verse 50, Paul writes these words, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Then he says in verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall not all die but we shall all be changed. Verse 52, he says that this change takes place in a moment, an indivisible moment of time, suddenly, unexpectedly. This moment takes place that there is a supernatural, almighty change that takes place in the church of Jesus Christ, the last church, the remnant church, He tells us that it's in the twinkling of an eye. That is, in a split second, as it were, a blink four times, or we blink every four seconds, but in the tenth of a second, instantly, supernaturally, we are changed by the power of God. This instantaneous change known as the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ when we, the blood-bought, the redeemed of the Lord, those that are born again of the Spirit of God, we are instantly, supernaturally changed by the power of God. This happens, the Bible tells us, at the last trump. The trumpet is going to sound. If you can just, if you can manage this, but we're going to go back to 1 Corinthians 15, but just for a moment, just turn into 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just to understand what is prophetically upon us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This happens at the trumpet sound. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 14. Just follow these scriptures if you would for a moment. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 14. Paul writes there and says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them that are asleep. Verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together 
We will be caught up together. That's where the theological term, the word rapture comes from. In the Greek, it is the harpazo. It is the mean that God supernaturally catches and takes by force every born-again believer across this world. Everyone that is saved, that is washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, Christ comes for His bride. And in that moment, as we are seized from this earth, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. You know, there is going to be a meaning in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, and therefore we are to comfort one another with these words. First thing that happens at that great sound of that trumpet is the dead in Christ shall rise first. What a hope we have. What a hope, what a message we have to this world that's living in fear and living in death and living in darkness. We have a hope beyond the grave. We have an answer to a world that's in despair and does not know where to turn and living in confusion. We have an answer. There is a hope in Jesus. And so at that moment when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain, I believe it's very likely that we will witness this in our lifetime. We will witness this in our lifetime that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain every born again believer across the world from every creed and every tongue and every tribe and every language will suddenly be instantaneously, supernaturally raptured from this world. And we'll be changed in a moment. The Greek word, of course, is the harpazo. And it is the idea of a king, a great king that's coming for the spoils of the war. If you go back into 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes there, 1 Corinthians 15, we've just read 52, it says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this body that we have, must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. This body that we're living in, this, this clay vessel that we're living in, friends, you'll remember way back in the garden when Adam and Eve fell and they were driven out of the garden and, and the Lord said that this kind cannot come in here any longer. He barred that old flesh from ever entering into the presence of the Lord. No flesh is going to glory in His presence. And so we'll be instantaneously changed. We'll have a new body. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord. Verse 54 says, we, This corruptible shall have put on incorruption. This mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the church can say, Amen. We have been given the victory. Now, the signs of this moment, I want you to listen very carefully. The signs of this moment, the indications are all around us. They're all around us. Listen, friends, be in no mistake tonight. We'll fall into the deception of we've heard this for years. 
fall into the false teachings and the damnable heresies that are sweeping across our land currently. The sleep that has fallen upon the church. The sleepy church that's in its moment when it should rise has fallen asleep. This event is upon us. This moment, this moment, the glorious rapture of the church could happen at any moment. Think about it, at any moment. It's in this context that I wish to draw your hearts, your minds to our reading tonight. Paul talks about the judgment seat of Christ. Now I want to let you know something if you're here tonight and you're not saved. This is different from the judgment throne. The judgment seat and the judgment throne are two different judgments. If you're not saved and you're in this room tonight, I believe the time is very short. I believe that you cannot play games any longer with God. I believe sincerely tonight that you're here because you're seeking, you're longing. You've been invited, but God is speaking to your heart and you know you're not right with God. You're not saved. And maybe you've been delaying for some time. Maybe you've been pondering it for some time. Maybe you're like so many that you're in the valley of decision. But I want to bring the reality of where we are tonight in time. You see, there is a judgment coming. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. And he's speaking of that great judgment day. In Revelation chapter 20, if you turn to it for a moment, I want to speak about this great white throne. For everyone that's not saved in this room, I want you to listen carefully. Because there is no escape. There is nowhere to run to. There is no one to, nowhere to flee to. But in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, we read there that the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And the Bible says these words. I want you to listen carefully. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. These are awesome words. These are fearful words. But it's the truth of God's Word. There is a place called the lake of fire that burns. Listen to what the Bible says now, because this is important. It burns forever and forever. And then we're brought to the picture here in verse 11 of the great white throne. And there's one that sat upon it who's face the earth and the heaven. They flee away. And there's no place found for them. And then, listen carefully, this is all the unsaved who have rejected Christ. I saw the dead, the small and the great, stand before God. And the books are opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. 
and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And the Bible tells us of the lake of fire that it burns forever and ever. One of the most common things that I hear on the streets from the unsaved is once I die, that's it. I put in a hole and it's over with. There's nothing else. It's a lie. What I hear even coming amongst the church of Jesus Christ today, that hell's not real. I want to tell you, friends, it's a damnable heresy. It's from the pit itself. The Bible says there's a lake of fire that burns forever and forever. Tonight, friend, if you're not saved in this building, there's mercy. Tonight, if you're not saved in this building, God's not willing that any should perish, but that you'd come to repentance. You'd give your life to Jesus tonight. He has a wonderful purpose and plan for your life to save you and to use your life for His glory. Time's short. Time's short. The days of playing church are over. The days of ticking the box on a Sunday are over. We're in the final run. And if you're not saved tonight, it's time to get right with God. Paul's writing to the church. In our reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul speaks in verse 2 of a groan that's within us. There's a groan in our hearts. There's an earnest desire. We see the decay. We see the depravity. We see the men that are waxing worse and worse. We see the, 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 the whole the sense of the intensity of the rise of the Antichrist and the system. And we see that more and more that the believers are being squeezed and pressed and pushed and persecution is coming. Oh, never an Ulster. Not the Bible Belt of Europe, friends. Persecution is coming. It's going to cost to be a believer. And so now Paul begins to bring the reality and sharpen our attention. He says in this tabernacle there's a groan. He says that there's a burden within us because now we understand and we realize that Christ is about to come. We have something that we maybe cannot fully describe, but then Paul brings it in in verse 5 and says, He has given to us the earnest, the earnest of the Spirit. Every believer in this room has the earnest of the Spirit. We have been sealed by the Spirit of God, and He's given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. In Ephesians 1, Paul says we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. The earnest simply means that when you were saved, that Christ had paid the price, a down payment has been made. The deeds have been transferred. We don't belong to ourselves. We're purchased. We're redeemed. 
We're bought. And he's coming back for his possession. And that's the earnest of the Spirit. The price has been paid. Praise the Lord, the old account's been settled long ago. And he's coming back. Yes, friend, he's coming back for what he purchased. And that's the earnest of the Spirit. And that's the groan that's within our hearts. There's something within us that we know. We're about to leave this old world. We've got our wedding garments on. The bride has made herself ready. Christ is coming, and He's coming soon. You enter in through those gates that we've heard tonight as we've heard those great songs. Paul begins to sharpen our focus of the church, begins to lift our heads up from the earthly and the temporal, begins to raise our eyes of faith beyond this present realm to see there's a land that is further than day, and by faith we can see it afar. Now he brings the focus of our attention beyond this realm. And he says in verse 10, for we must, for we must, there's some wonderful divine musts in Scripture, we must, you must be born again. I must needs go to Samaria. Well, here is another divine must. We must all, Church of Jesus Christ, saved, washed in the blood, sealed by the Spirit, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must. Here, the believer will stand by the grace of God, saved by grace and by grace alone, not of works, but saved by the grace of God. And there we stand in the divine tribunal in glory. And Paul, of course, is alluding to Pilate's chamber when they would gather Christ there into that, that tribunal. And there was a little raised area in the midst. It was known as the Bema stone or seat. And there the individual would be brought to stand to give an account, give an account of his life. Paul also writes in Romans 14 and verse 10, For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. There's a day coming, saints. There's a day coming, brothers and sisters, saved, yes, in glory, yes. There by the grace of God, yes. But then, then we're held to account of the life that we've lived for Jesus. What a privilege it is to be saved. How you lived. How you lived as a Christian. How you give your stewardship your faithfulness, how you functioned in the body of Christ, how you served, how you endeavored to live a life that was pleasing to the Lord, how you won 
the lost, how you prayed. There we will give an account. You see, brothers and sisters, he's called us to be disciples. He said, if any man will come after me, let him, what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And I believe in the old statement, no cross, no crown. Jesus said, whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he said, cannot be my disciple. Jesus said, likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has cannot be my disciple. You see, one day we give an account. One day we give an account of the life that we have lived for Jesus. Of this wonderful truth that we have been saved Set free, blood-bought, sealed, have a hope. Left to live in this world to be a witness and a testimony for Jesus Christ. Now, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul goes further. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul gives an insight and some more detail into this moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says these words, For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, for every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You know, we're a nation, we're a wee province, we love bonfires. And I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be some bonfire this day. You see in this category here that is led before us, you see that three are perishable. The wood and the hay and the stubble, but there are three that go through the fire. There is the gold, and there's the silver, and there's the precious jewels. The gold, you see, speaks, and this is important because the Bible tells us when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. You'll remember in Revelation chapter 3, the last church, the church of the Laodicean, this is, these are awesome words, but they're sobering words, but it is to the church. Jesus says, because you say that I am rich, I'm increased with goods, I don't need anything. I'm in need of nothing. But here are the sobering words, and knowest not. In other words, they actually did not know their condition. They were unaware of their spiritual condition. They were so overcome with increase in material goods, they, they did not know where they were before the Lord. And he says, as he probes into the depths of the hearts of the people of the Laodicean, he says, Thou art wretched, 
You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. But they didn't even know it. Materialism had caused them to go blind. And the Lord says in verse 18 of Revelation 3, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You see, there's a faith that we can live by in these days. And it's a faith that's going to bring us through every trial and every persecution and everything that this Antichrist world is going to throw against the church of Jesus Christ. It's a faith that overcomes. That's the faith that the church needs to possess. Not to talk about it. Not to sing about it. But a faith that we have in our hearts to believe God in these days for the impossible. We see the brokenness. We see as it were as Paul was on that great ship and it's all broken up and all hope is gone that we'd be saved and it's dark and it's miserable and in the midst of it there's a man that stands up and says, Sirs, I believe God! The church is asleep with all its doctrinal arguments, statements of faith and grand buildings and cathedrals And all that we have had, friends, and the pandemic has shown us for what we are. A faith that overcomes. A faith that keeps doors open. A faith that prays on. A faith that believes God. My God, we've been shown truly for what we are. God have mercy. But surely we should say tonight we have a faith that believes God for this nation, that God would move again. That God would sweep over our land and reach into our young generation that don't know who they are, have no identity, don't know where they belong, don't know whether they're a male or a female, but surely God can. If the gospel doesn't work, for the transgender and the homosexual and the drug addict and the dynamite, then it's not the gospel. But the gospel works for every man and every woman. No matter how far down into the depths of sin and the gutter of sin, thank God that He's able to save. So the church must have a faith to believe. You see, that gold speaks of a faith. You'll remember in Second Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 9 that the king of Egypt came up against Jerusalem. And you know what he did? He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord. He got into the house of the Lord and he ransacked it. And he, he's a thief. Does the Bible not tell us that the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy? And he got into that house and he ransacked it. And he took all the treasures and the treasures of the king's house. And he carried away, the Bible tells us, the shields of gold which Solomon had made. You see, Rehoboam, it tells us, Instead of the shields of gold, he made shields of brass. Now they're standing with their shields of brass. It looks like gold. But I tell you, friend, tonight, listen to me. All the glitters isn't gold. All the glitters isn't gold. God help us to pull the door open as the Lord's standing at the door and knocking of the church 
God, help us as the church to say, Lord, have mercy upon us. Pull the door open tonight of our hearts and say, God, whatever time you give me left, whatever many more days I have on this planet, I'm going to run for Jesus and I'm going to finish well. The silver, of course, speaks of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 66 says in verse 10, For thy, O Lord, hast proved us, thou hast tried us, as silver is tried. Malachi says that he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He'll purify the sons of Levi. He'll purge them. Do you know what's happening, friends? We're being purged. The Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And I tell you, we're being shaken. Not just the nations of the world, but the church itself is being shaken. What he's doing is he's purifying, he's forming and forging a vessel because I believe that he's coming back for a glorious bride. It's the remnant church. The last church. But he's doing a work of refining. You see, this is the process. This is the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. It's a crucial work. Thank God we are not what we were we're not what we should be, but we are being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. He's sanctifying His church. Oh, do you want to be like Jesus? You see, this is the, son, this is the token of sonship, the chastisement of the Lord, so that we're not found to be illegitimate. But we have a Father whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And precious stones, these are the things that will go through the fire. Tells us in Second Chronicles 3 and 1 that Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Orn and the Jebusite. And in verse 6 it says this, And he garnished the house with precious stones for beauty and the gold. Do you know what the precious stones speak of? It speaks of souls. The Bible says, He that winneth souls, what is he? He's wise. No, with all our advancement, with all our gadgets, with all our technology, with all our finance, with all our materialism, there's literally hundreds of millions of people across this world have still never heard the name of Jesus once. God help us. God help us. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Then there's three categories that are going to perish. The wood, the hay, and the stubble. I wonder what that means. What's in the wood? What's in the hay? What's in the stubble? Think about it. Think about the church with all its materialism in Revelation chapter 3. 
And yet they were poor, they were blind, they were naked. There was a man that you know well, I believe many of you know him very well, and he often prays it in our prayer meeting, Brother Bran, Anna. The two hands will be raised to heaven, and he'll often say, Lord, it's all for the fire. It's all for the fire. Friends, I want to tell you something, an awful lot of what we think are what we think is important what we think is vital, what we think that what we need. Do you know, it's all for the fire. We're living in a world that's so materialistic, so focused on materialism, so set on having that which is bigger, faster, more beautiful. And yet, friends, the church is saying and believing, and I believe it, I know Pastor Bernie believes it and Brother Stephen believes it and this pulpit preaches it that we're about to meet the Lord. Most believers that we talk to say, I believe in the second coming. I believe it soon. And yet we're building bigger. We're searching out more. We're looking for greater things rather than saying, I'm about to leave this world. It's like the two old men at the back of the funeral. The very wealthy man had died. And as often happens at the back, there was a whisper in the one ear, did he leave much? Nor one said, he left it all. You see, naked you come in, and naked we're going out. It's a sobering thought that everything that's been put into our hands and everything that God has blessed us with, that we're accountable for it. Oh, I'm not saying that you can't have money, you can't have riches, but what I'm saying is what you are given, you've been given it by God, and how you use it is so important. There's an awful lot of wood and hay and stubble. And what a fire that's going to be. You know, I say to you tonight, as we're coming to the close of this wonderful anniversary service, wonder is there someone or someone's believers in this room and you just haven't been living the way you're supposed to be living. You've just been coming along and ticking the boxes You've just been doing the right thing and that's good to come to the house of God. It's good to be in your place. But friends, I want to tell you, God's looking for people. He's looking for soldiers. He's looking for men and women. He's looking for young people that are going to dare to be a Daniel. Stand up for Jesus in these days and live for God against the flow and against the stream and against the ideas and the, idol- and the idolatry and everything that's sweeping into this land and the Antichrist system, but someone that's going to stand up and say, I am going to stand for Jesus. We come to a close. As the Spirit of God would search your heart and search my heart. Are we going to be done with the wood and the hay and the stubble? 
Are we going to swing the door open and say, Lord, give us the gold that's been tried in the fire? Are we going to surrender all and lay it all in the altar and say, tonight, Lord, I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to serve you with all of my heart. I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to lay it all at the altar gladly for Jesus. And tonight I'm going to surrender it. And Lord, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to send me, I'm going to go. I'm going to surrender everything. I'm going to tell you, friend, tonight, if there's one in this place that's willing, whether young or old, male or female, is willing afresh to consecrate themselves to God and say, Lord, I surrender all. I want to tell you something so wonderful will happen in that life, in that heart. God, the Holy Spirit, will come afresh and take that life afresh and there's no telling what God will do. No telling. You see, I'm excited about these days. I'm excited about these days. What a day that's going to be. The wee song says, When my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. What a day. The judgment seat of Christ. There will stand. There will stand. Face to face. With Christ, my Savior. What will it be? Think about it, friend. What will it be? Christian, what will it be? What will it be? Standing before the Lord. Everything's laid bare. What will it be? May we live for Jesus. Whatever else and whatever time he gives us, may we live for Jesus. Church, run well and finish well.